Denny. Jesse. McKinley. Kindle. Caden. Color. Gay. <laughs> the Family Podcast. All right. Welcome back to the Paquette Family Podcast. We have a special guest for you today. It's Jessica Esfandiari from Open Late Podcast. Yes, we're very excited to talk to her. Coming from the Midwest and our traditional ways that we are, it has been really fun to get to know her, and she's just a really sweet soul, and we were so grateful that she was so willing to come on our podcast, and just so fun to get to know her. Yep. So if you're interested in a Wild Ride podcast, this is this is one for you. So with no further ado, welcome to the Pickett Family Podcast. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Paquette Family Podcast. We're happy to have you here. We've got an awesome guest today. Uh, Jess is here from Open Late Podcast, and we've been talking to her. And one of my uh, most exciting things about having Jess on is, like, she immediately feels like a friend to you. Yeah. And then not only that, like, she's a busy gal doing a lot of things, doing podcasts, and she's accessible. Like how many times like we've we've had Instagram chats with her. Je- I know you've been yep. in touch with her. And then my second thing is she's inspirational because I was I was also listening to the the podcast, which we'll get to in a second. But the feeling I had was just like I'm inspired by you, you know. And I and I feel kind of like a soulmate with you, like trying to going through the same things and the same journey. But you're about I don't know five years ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> So what? Yeah, I was just going to say, you are just an inspiration because you are just living your life with just such a passion and such a cool way to connect with people. So tell us a little bit about your life, your relationships, um, how you kind of got to 2022. Well, first of all, thank you so much. The two of you are just the sweetest and I think inspirational couple. And I loved our interview on our show. I'm so glad we got connected. And I'm, I'm honored to be here, honestly. Um, I've enjoyed our talks so much. I remember the first time we ever hopped on a Zoom, I was like, we should have recorded this. <laughs> we were like, I think we chatted for almost an hour. Um, yeah, we did. Yeah. But that means so much to me, the acknowledgement, you know, about just just who I am as a person. And that's always my goal, right? I mean, the internet is a funny place and social media is even wackier. So when you can meet people that you have a real connection and actual friendship with, um, that's a huge win for me. And, you know, I always make the disclaimer. I'm like, as long as I have the time to do it, I'm going to do it. Like I'm the one in the, you know, direct messages and the DMs. And so anyway, thank you so much for that. And it's a pleasure to be here. Um, so a little bit about me, I, um, I'll try to condense this, but, um, I'm, I'm 38 years old. I met my husband, Pasha, about 10 years ago, and I'll lead with that because, of course, you know, that we're speaking to, um, you know, non-traditional relationships by design, right? Um, and before that, I had been sort of a serial monogamist, still figuring out who I was. I had zero sexual confidence. Um, In fact, I was riddled with tons of shame and guilt and um, just almost like a dissociation from my sex and my sexuality. 
Um, and when I met my husband, a lot of that shifted for me. I was in this place in my life where I was really receptive to personal development work. And I started going to workshops and reading books about, you know, manifestation and how to get the most out of your life and to really go for the things you want. And my husband, Pasha, was right there with me. I mean, he actually opened my mind up to a lot of these things when it came to like emotional intelligence work. Um, and we had a very hot and heavy beginning. It was not like it was not um, committed. It was very casual. I had just gotten out of a very serious long-term relationship and I made the decision that I wasn't going to date like – or I wasn't going to get into a relationship. And I was even trying to avoid dating. I'm like, I want to be by myself. I want to get to know who I am. I want to have casual sex. Like I've, I had never done that before. Um, wow. I remember I went out and had my first one night stand. And then the very next person that I hooked up with was my husband, who was supposed to be a fling. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this, this was not supposed to happen 10 years later. Just when you're um, not looking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, so we sort of did this casual dance, but we both had really strong feelings for one another. I mean, it was very undeniable. But from the moment that we started, I knew that our sexual nature was very different. We were talking about all of these like hot fantasies and opened the door to talking about other people right away. And I, it, you know, told him that I was always attracted to women, but I had never done anything about it. And so he sort of, I planted that seed, but I, I didn't have any intention to do anything about it because I was so intimidated and I, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't know what, like what to do. So we finally ended up committing and he moved right in. It was like we went from barely speaking actually because we were like, we probably shouldn't talk because we're falling in love <laughs> to, um, to him moving in. And once he did, about six months after that, we had an accidental threesome, which you can hear I remember about. part of this, yeah. Yeah. What episode, episode is one. it? Okay. It's episode one of my podcast and it's sort of the dawn of our relationship is this accidental threesome we had while we were living in Vegas um, and that changed everything. It opened the door and we slowly tiptoed in. And of course, you know, a lot of things came with that, a lot of growth, a lot of introspection, a lot of doing things kind of wrong or that we didn't like and pulling mm -hmm. back, but so much beauty and expansion. And this New Year's, that'll be 10 years ago. And over the course of 10 years, we've kind of, we've, we've like, gradually danced through all the different types of non-monogamy, everything from monogamish to open to, you know, full-on polyamory now. And yeah. more recently in our relationship, um, we I always make the joke we're like the most boring polyamorous couple you'll ever meet <laughs> because for, for long periods of time, we don't talk to anyone or hook up with anyone else. And it's not like the focal point of our lives. Mm -hmm. However, three years ago or three and a half years ago now, we met a woman, we both fell in love and the three of us carried on a relationship for a long time, um, for, for the last three years. And that relationship had shifted and changed chapters and seasons to where it was like more familial than anything. And we all still feel so much love for each other. Um, but we've shifted into a friendship and it's it's more than a friendship. She's like, 
like my family, like my sister, who I'm kind of in love with, but yeah. you know, it's not romantic anymore. Uh-huh. Um, so is this Lauren you're talking about? Yeah, this is Lauren. Yeah. Okay. So Lauren and you guys have shifted to more of just a family love. We have. Yes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And that just yeah. has been in the last couple months. It's been the last couple of months. Yeah, since the last time we spoke. Um, and it had been shifting, but we weren't really naming it because we've always been very fluid in our relationship. We've never done labels. Mm-hmm. We've never really called ourselves a triad or a thruple. Um, yeah. And yeah, so it was it was interesting. It was very open-ended. But eventually we were like, hey, I think we need to actually ha- like talk about this and yeah. maybe shift into – actually naming a different dynamic because I think we both wanted to hold on because we're so in love. Right. Um, but there wasn't this like drive for us to really be sexual. So mm-hmm. once we did, it was very interesting. We both started sort of taking off in these other very expansive directions, which I think we were afraid of because we're like, oh, there's going to be distance here, but it's beautiful. She's been traveling for three, four months. Um, you know, dating other people, which she was doing at home. But it's like when you have your person, you don't venture out as much. You're not as advent, you know, you're not, you're not like as excited about hopping on an app and dating or meeting new people because, you know, we're cozy on the couch every night. (laughs) So it was, I think it was this like breath of fresh air that we all needed. Um, And the beauty of it is really leaning into like being fully polyamorous and um, knowing that like just because this part of our relationship has shifted, like our relationship and our connection is not over. In fact, it's gotten deeper. I care for her in new ways. I'm able to see her in a new light, um, which has been amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. You've brought up a lot of uh, (laughs) – follow-up questions yeah. here. One of them, what I'm kind of like you in the sense that I don't like to label things. Like I think people should just live their life. How important do you think it is with all the people you've worked with, your own experience in relationships to label it, to, you know, come out of the closet as X, Y, or Z? Yeah. I this- mean, I know <clears throat> labeling things helps communicate things to other people. So language is important, but How important do you think that is? I love this question so much because sometimes it's very important and other times it's not. And it can be – it can hinder you. It could box you in. Mm -hmm. But it can also be so expansive. And I think it's just – it's a case-by-case basis. You know, um, language is the tool – that which we can understand ourselves and we can communicate who we are to the world, Mm -hmm. as you said. And I think it's important to understand what each thing means so that you can actually maybe feel like a part of something, like you can belong to something. Um, you know, I had a funny thing between like bisexuality and queerness. And I started, you know, this journey calling myself bisexual and then realized like the word queer just fits me so much better. <laughs> and it's like tr- more true to my nature. and. Um, it just felt more expansive. Um, and there's nothing wrong with bisexual, right? So is just that the like, language you use now? It's the language or is it I use now. I I use both. Mm-hmm. Um, it just sort of depends on the space that I'm in. And I, I like to use both because I'm like, I feel both and I want right. to include everybody. 
I think right. that mm-hmm. people who are bisexual um, are like the most uh, like outed out of all the different things you could claim because there's a lot of you know people I think in the in the community of like openness or kink or homosexuality who's like pick one you can't you know mm-hmm. it's you just haven't realized that you're fully you know like homosexual yet and I'm like no actually like <laughs> I want to be both um, yeah. and you can pick and you can and, feel what you are and you know. right and you can shift and change whenever you want and you know to your point I think that when you're new to this and it's helping you identify yourself and feel a sense of belonging to a community, amazing. Yeah. And when it's helpful to explain or, you know, help other people understand who you are, amazing. But if there's not the right sort of language for who you are at the moment, um, you know, and, and what you want to communicate, then I don't think it's necessary. Um, and then in our experience, what came along was we would always say, well, everything for us is just fluid and we're a family. And so like, we don't need this label. Um, and triad and thruple never felt right because actually the three of us were romantic for only like the first year. Mm -hmm. Um, and although like Pasha and Lauren would still be intimate from time to time, it was more just like this friendship nature, you know, um, and it was based on like when our chemistry was all aligning and nothing was ever forced. So those labels didn't fit. Yeah. And then I think what happened to us more recently is we were feeling that in that flow, things were a bit confusing because we were like, still together or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. I'm doing air quotes for people. Yeah, who yeah. Say. <laughs> for all I was. Um, it was like, I think we were trying to measure up to a, a relationship or an aspect of our relationship that neither of us really actually wanted, um, which mm-hmm. was like the intimacy or the 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 sex, right? Um, right? Because we would make jokes like, oh yeah, that would be fun if we ever actually like you know, had sex anymore. And we would sort of make these, you know, funny jokes that people do who we have been together for a long time, realizing that what we were doing was making ourselves feel bad for an aspect of our relationship that we actually felt like we didn't need. Like we felt Uh so fulfilled in all the other ways. And, you know, for those of you listening, Lauren and I, we run a business together as well. And in many mm-hmm. ways, we she's like a sister to me as well. She's my best friend. She's one of my best friends in the world. Yeah. And, um, you know, we had all these different fulfilling aspects. So I think for us, using that language to help us realize, um, well, this isn't an aspect that we really are craving anymore and shifting yeah. into more of a friendship and less of a relation, you know, like um, romantic relationship yeah. was helpful because it it provided a lot of clarity. Whereas before we had plenty of clarity with no label, right? If that makes sense. Yeah. So I, it's so, it, there's such a big gray area for me. It's never black and white. And I think it's like, if you can realize which serves you better mm-hmm. using terminology and language or leaving things open to be expansive then go with what resonates with you and what feels authentic um, until you need something different. And that's the beauty of like constantly 
assessing where you are and doing that internal audit or that relationship audit with a partner um, every so often, Mm -hmm. you know? I was going to say, I think that's one of the most beautiful things of meeting you and getting to know you. And I am a, I am a monogamist, right? I am mm-hmm. like the textbook. But I think what it, what you taught me or what listening to your podcast or looking at your Instagram or your different interviews with people has been the feelings. You're going to have feelings of jealousy anyways. You know, when Denny talks about how he feels or... I think the beautiful part is it really does open the communication so much, you know, like you're saying, you're fluid and you're talking about it. And if people don't be their true selves, if they don't share their true feelings, then you aren't getting to talk about those feelings and share in such a beautiful way. Yeah. The feelings are everything, everything. Mm -hmm. And also they're fleeting. And that's that's the cool thing is like um, the feelings are not constant and they, dissipate when processed. Um, and so that's always my like my gift to everyone I coach or I speak to. It's like the way you feel right now, you will not feel this way forever. You might not feel this way in three hours depending on how much you focus and pro- and do like true processing of the, of the feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're kind of in the public section. So this is going to be our last public question. And it's going to be how hard was it to make the decision to go public? And we heard you talk about that in your episode 55, the birthday Burning Man. episode, Burning Man. Yeah. Was that a difficult decision to go public? It was, but well, yes, and So Burning Man was the easiest place to do it mm-hmm. because it's such a loving community. There are no cameras, you know, I mean, people take photos, but, and, you know, videos are you get the point. But I knew that like this talk wouldn't be filmed. And I knew that I was giving it in, in my camp. I have the most incredible camp, like shout out to square one. We're a family. We've grown since I think 2011 or 2010 was the first year. I started going with them in 2014 um, from a camp of like, you know, 30 people the first time I went to now 150. Mm-hmm. And they're the most loving, accepting, beautiful humans ever, ever, ever. And then Burning Man at the macro is usually that. I mean, of course, like there's bad apples everywhere. But um, I knew that it would be easier there and it would be like so accepted and well-received. I didn't expect the crazy amount of feed forward and like interest that came from it. So mm-hmm. many people and like – friends that were that are monogamous that have been married for 20 years that have kids who are telling me like that this talk was so helpful and really changed their perspective and they're never going to open up um well I mean never say never but that's not their intention but yeah. listening to my talk was like so eye-opening for them and reignited something for them in their relationship or their love life which was really cool to hear and so I think that, that was I like think that's Yeah, it's like the inspirational part of you that we were talking about in the beginning. Yeah, thank you. And and that that was like awesome because it was low-hanging fruit. So I was able to do it in a big way. Like I spoke in front of 50 people and it was like the first time I'd ever shared that part of myself publicly. Um, Deciding to do a podcast was like really – In some ways, with me, I just barrel forward and public speaking is easier for me. I was an actor and 
Um, you know, I have a communications degree. So I love, I love like talking to people with people. Um, the hard part was like the content, right? Right. And so kind of talk about that. You started with Instagram lives yeah, or so, something mm-hmm. on Sunday nights and then. Yeah. So our closest friends knew because like actually our, all of our close friends here in LA, we met through Burning Man. It's It's been a very big instrumental part of my life and my community for years. So a lot of people that I would consider, you know, my community knew, but like public, right? The world at large didn't. So what I started doing, um, actually during the pandemic, in the very beginning, um, my community started putting on these like curated events, like all week long where DJs would live stream, people would teach yoga on Zoom and everything was just a gift and an offering, very Burning Man style. Mm -hmm. So I started giving my talks there and that was open to the public. And I think I did two of them on Zoom where it was just these live Q&As. And so it was branching out a bit. And then somebody was like, you should continue to do this. And I was like, okay, you know, I think I'll do it on Instagram, which was like a huge step. But yeah. I started going live on Sunday nights. I called it open late on Sunday, which is I kept the the first part of that open late. And I would just go live and let people ask me questions about non-monogamy, which yeah. was the fr- I was so nervous the first time. I've never gone back and watched it, but I'm probably just like like, like <laughs> frozen I smile. Bet. Did you feel like an expert yet at that point? It's weird. I I always have because it's been my life. Yeah. That's the thing. It's easy to talk about question, any question someone asks me is not going to stump me because I'm just talking about my own experiences. Right. Um, so I'm an expert in my version of non-monogamy right. and I've been a coach for a long time. So I think it helps me navigate when people ask me questions about things that I've never experienced. Um, but in, in the last 10 years, I've experienced a lot of yeah. all the things that you could cover. Yeah. So I did that for about three or four months before I was like, okay, this is something. And people are really hungry for this kind of info. Um, There aren't a lot of people out there doing it. Of course, in my eyes, I'm like, oh, there's a ton of content creators and they're all so smart and they're so amazing. You know, I'm I'm watching like Jessica Levity from Remodeled Love and Elizabeth Cunningham and all of these people who are – open and who have been like laying this foundation, you know, Lian Yao, Polyphilia blog. And I'm like, oh, there's no, there's no room for me to have an actual podcast. And then mm-hmm. I was, somebody said to me like, do you know that there are like, there are probably hundreds of thousands of podcasts about wellness mm-hmm. and in spirituality and the other yeah. things that you're interested in and personal development that you've considered starting podcasts about before. And maybe there's like eight <laughs> about non-monogamy. So that was kind of the push that I needed. Um, And just people like asking for it and saying like, we, this would be amazing. You should really do this. Um, You know, people need to hear more of it. Mm -hmm. And so that was like the big deciding factor about going public. Yeah. Do you have any kind of feelings about kind of being the poster face or the face of, you know, non-monogamy? Does I try not to think you, about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it because does. It's like I get non-monogamy better and I understand it more and I care about you and stuff. So it like, because of you, my, oh. my eyes have been opened 
does that, you know, put pressure on you? Like you said with Lauren and Pasha and everything, like, oh, how does this, you know, since you do yeah. a, a podcast, how do we talk about this? People are looking up to us or, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, does that- I, I appreciate this question so much. No one's ever asked me this. And I've been doing, I've been doing interviews for like a year. Um, it's interesting. I, it's, I almost try not to think about it. And I think there's a part of me that's a little bit sort of, I've dissociated from the fact that I, like no one's ever called me the poster child for it. So I'll have to, <laughs> I'll have to sit with this, but I do think people look at me and they're like, you know, when they think non-monogamy, they might think me, right. I might be mm-hmm. synonymous with that for them. And in some ways it does feel like a big responsibility. Um, it doesn't really change how I've lived my life, but and I think I'm still a bit kind of careful about what I share because mm-hmm. – and you guys know this because you listen to my show and we've talked before. I don't share so much about my personal life mm-hmm. and I'm still navigating. I think I'm like stepping into it more and more um, and it's likely because I'm like, well, everything I do, there's there are eyes on me and I think that part of the reason why I curate a bit is because non-monogamy in general and polyamory gets so over-sexualized. And it's like, it's a spectrum just like monogamy. There are people with really high sex drives who are in committed monogamous relationships who have way higher libido than me or just like one sex more than I do, who have probably have more partners in their lifetime than me. Um, And I think that like when someone hears, you know, you're open, they just get this, this image or mm-hmm. the, the, you know, they assume that you're just like really highly sexual. And so yeah. I think I'm subconsciously always trying to combat that. So I barely talk about the sort of sex or sexy things. Yeah. Um, and I try to really keep it more about the work and the dynamics and how to help people be successful and thrive and feel seen and find community. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also limiting because there is a part of me that's really sexual and I would like to destigmatize sex and take the taboo off of a woman who likes a lot of sex and wants to have sex partners and even men, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Because guys get a bad rap for that. And so I think if we all just relaxed and realized that sex is the most beautiful, fun, like incredible life-giving thing on natural, the planet, natural, right? Yes. And that, yeah, and <laughs> celebrated it rather than made it wrong and bad and all the things. Right. We'd be in a great place. And so I'm being a very public person about this. I'm kind of navigating that for myself and mm-hmm. towing the line of like, I want to talk about it, but I also don't want to feed into that, you know, blanket yeah. assumption. Um, there's that. And then, as you mentioned, Pasha and Lauren, right? So they are along on this ride with me, but they are passengers. And like, <laughs> I know you them, said that in your, yeah, about Pasha. Yeah. It's not his podcast. You know, like you said, you yeah. share. I share and I try, well, I try, you know, I ask, I get consent from him before I share anything really personal about our lives. Um, and, you know, he's always been so supportive. And he's always been like an I don't care who knows. It was me that took a long time to want to be public and come out. I mean, mm-hmm. we it was like five years before we started telling anyone in our community 
other than like our best friends who knew. Um, so he's always been that way. But then when I started having a podcast, he's like, yeah, I really don't want my like sex life all over the internet. Right, he's like, right. but I also kind of don't care. So case by case. And so I'm just really respectful of that and conscious of the fact that it's my show. It's not their show. You know, it's been challenging for both of them, I think, in some ways, not a lot, but yeah, for me to do this work. And then, yeah, people are like, well, we want to hear from Pasha. And I'm like, yeah, I think everybody does. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't want to do a podcast about right. non-monogamy. He wants to do one about real estate. So Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So We challenge everybody out there to design their life, mm -hmm. design the relationship life, and design the life they want. Check out Jess's Open Late podcast and her Instagram yeah. and all the cool things she's doing out there. Yeah. yeah, just to wrap it up, will you just say, you know, the the coaching business that you have, mm -hmm. the podcast that you have, and just kind of share with all the listeners. Yes, thank those you. Those things that you want to share. Yeah, Denny and Jesse, this has been amazing, and it's my pleasure. And I'll come back anytime. You two are great. I can't wait to see this be a huge, um, a huge success and resource for so many people. Um, yeah, so you can find me at Open Late the Podcast on Instagram and TikTok or just openlatepodcast.com. There are so many resources on our website. We have a dictionary of terms if you're new to non-monogamy. It's really fun and it's illustrated. We also um we created a quiz for people who are just starting out if you're interested to find out what type of relationship will suit you best, um, whether it's like being monogamish or being fully open. Um, it takes less than five minutes and it's, you know, a free resource for you there. And we have a WhatsApp chat community too. So if you're interested in any of those things, you know where to find me. That's awesome. We took the quiz and we loved it. It, was, it gave us a lot of two days worth of discussion from no us. surprises. Yeah. There was no surprises. I remember you saying that. And you're like, we knew what we were. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome, you guys. Thank well, you thank for you. having me. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the public version of the Paquette Family Podcast. To become a listener supporter and gain access to private and exclusive content, visit the paquettefamily.supercast.com to select a membership plan that works best for you. Please join our public Facebook group, the Paquette Family Podcast. You've been listening to The Paquette Family Podcast. A Paquette Family Production.